Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. Kick it. You wake up late for school and you want to listen to evil men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Buss it. <laughs> this here's a story for all the pod listeners. You'd like to listen to a very fun pod. Just uh, called Evil Men. Your best friend Harry has a brother Larry. In five days from now, he's going to listen to Evil Men. Um, you know what? Face down, uh, ass up. That's the way we like to download and listen to our favorite podcast, Evil Men. Are those the lyrics? Uh, yeah. He says face down, ass face up. Face down, ass up. That's the way we like to listen to evil men. <laughs> yeah. We're having fun. Is the I rapper think... saying he's face down and ass up? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It could it's be taken that way. Yeah. yeah. It's up to the listener to decide yeah. what's happening in that story. Oh, so it's, it's like, like a... Painting, uh, or like the end of Inception when you go. Yeah. Wait, is he in a dream right now or yeah. not? Spoiler alert. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, it's not a spoiler because you you don't know. You wow, give that's it away. a good point. Yeah. If you haven't seen Inception yet, you ain't worth r- shit. Run to the theaters, my friend. I haven't seen it, but you guys won't be surprised. It's a lot of handsome guys in suits walking on ceilings. Oh, but, uh, so, uh, sorry, are you talking about Inception or the original uh, Ocean's Eleven? I can't tell. A lot tell. of handsome guys in suits having yeah. fun. Having fun in hotels. Yeah. Chris, did you like Inception, though? Because you know what? I actually mm-hmm. really did. But I don't know. I saw it 10 years ago. I don't know if it holds up, these, these movies, but I think it was good. It was silly. Yeah. I liked it. You're going into people's dreams? Yeah. I wow. liked it, but I don't need it. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, yeah, it does. I don't own it on Blu-ray. Okay. I don't revisit it. But uh, it, it's a good-looking movie. Yes. Yes. Easy on the eyes. Um, Ken Watanabe is in it. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about him on the Evil Men Discord, because he's in a, a, a really young version of him, plays a character in Tampopo. An old oh. movie and uh, that we were talking about on Discord. Also, in regards to Discord, Evil Men has one. It's really fun. And I want to say in the Primus chat, <laughs> it got a bit carried away with Prog Rock chat, especially Adrian, our, our, uh, one of our best listeners and, and yep. friends. Strongest listeners pro- as well. He's from the same place as H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, come on. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was getting out of control in the... Because just so people know, we're, well, we're, we make different little rooms to chat about different topics, and Chris has yeah. been really willy-nilly making all sorts of chat rooms, which I love. No, well, no, no, in a good way. So we've got a Red Hot <laughs> Chili Peppers talk, and we've got a Primus talk going on. Yeah, It's like the Palace of Versailles. There's endless rooms, <laughs> and each room has something a little different. You know, It's like you're walking through the Palace of Versailles. One, you open a door, everyone's talking about Primus. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Louis. <laughs> My name is Louis the Fourteenth. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is so so. And a couple other people joined in the convo, but it got prog rock heavy. Uh, I went down a King Crimson 
path a little bit and then a Rush path recently. And I know, James, you love Rush, but I have an I idea do. about that. I have an idea about that. Oh. But I've been listening to it and some stuff gets me and some stuff doesn't. And then there's this, uh, in the Red Records in like 2019, released this uh, collection of this Australian punk band from the 70s called The Victims. And I put that on to switch it up and I was like... Oh, I'm back, baby. So relaxing. Oh, I think punk hey. is just, it's more natural to me. It's more fun. Punk, garage <laughs> rock, you know, well, like just nitty gritty. That's that's you. For me, the mm-hmm. rush aesthetic of a skinny guy with a flowing shirt and a long <laughs> mullet with a really, really prepubescent high voice is more my vibe. And I feel more comfortable when I hear that. And granny glasses. And granny glasses. Yes. But I have this yeah. theory about you because you're oh. 80s Joe. I love 80s music. I bet you some of the 70s rushes you don't really get into. Mm, I it's, mean... I bet you your no, subdivisions no, up, right? You're wrong. No. Okay. I love the song Working Man. And okay. wasn't that a 2112 <laughs> album in the 70s too that I sent you? I think I like it, but it it goes up and down. I, you, they, they have parts that are fun, and then they have parts where it's like, I check my watch. Like, hurry up. Can I ask... Damn. Does the Rush song "Working Man" sung from the point of view of Getty Lee, who's not like a big burly, like a blue collar guy? Does he mention what his job is in the song "Working Man"? No, but it's so <laughs> that song. Have you heard that song, Michael? I've heard it. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm I unfortunately. Don't, oh, yeah, yeah. kiss my yeah. butt, Michael. That song <laughs> rules. Things are getting a little. And, and oh, <laughs> look here, "Working Man" is before I think Neil Peart. Oh, really? Join. Yeah, you know what? So it this does, is when they were more classic 70s when, rock. It, that's when Buddy Rich was uh, <laughs> yeah. on the skins. It does sound more of like a straight-ahead rock song, that one. Yeah. Working Man's great because you can imagine them. They're in Hamilton, Ontario, where I think... The, uh, they're at from least Toronto. They're from Toronto. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're from like around Toronto. Yeah. They're probably working in some mill or some <laughs> shitty place. And, and, and the whole song Toronto, is Getty Lee being like... He literally is like, I get up at 7 and I go to work at 9. And then he just... They're rocking out and it sucks. And I they bet he's like, think I it work sucks. in the chainmail f- armor factory. <laughs> I like Rush. I like King Crimson. I think I just listened to both bands too much to the point where I got anxious. You got over-sexed. But I also have another... And I just want to say... I bet you like Rush because Neil Peart actually wrote the lyrics when he yeah, joined the band. Yeah, they're hilarious. But they're all about sci-fi and, and science. And philosophy. Yeah, he was an Ayn Rand guy as well. Is, yeah, but oh, he grew out of it. Bad. I read. Right. Okay, but <laughs> the first time Neil I, was almost an evil man. Subject. <laughs> the first time I was driving around, I was listening to probably Q107 or Boom 97.3. The first time I heard the song "Free Will" by Rush, I laughed because it's it's them. It's him just sort of discussing like, do you believe in fate or fate or free will? And he's you know. I choose to believe in free will. It's so funny yeah. for a rock song to be about that. Whatever yeah. happens to you, let's hit the beach and look for girls. You know, oh, that's what your mind's all about, Michael, but not mine. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's the Rush never and sang about one girl. Jump in I, the car. No, they didn't, and we like it that way as Rush fans. We Bam. don't sing about <laughs> girls, only fate, <laughs> only ideas. Um, but you the know, night. Came when the girls were nigh. <laughs> girls have come in the bar. Let's go. They didn't even sing a song about a caravan of girls coming to a new village. <laughs> you ever heard this like, song? 
What's the philosophy of girls? <laughs> we don't get it, and neither do you. Um, girls are like this, and boys are like this. Girls are made of carbon atoms. <laughs> Uh, Getty, this song is not quite the uh, romantic hit we're looking for. <laughs> you, you just keep repeating. Uh, when I have sex, I try to do it as fast as I can. <laughs> I'm trying to get it over with. <laughs> to get back to reading Omni Magazine. <laughs> do they still make Omni Magazine? I've never heard of it. It was like a science yeah. uh, computer magazine. Remember Omnibot? <laughs> We've talked about this on this podcast. Oh, We've talked I didn't about know what you were talking about. But maybe even, not, maybe not. Here's what I've I will say. About. When you posted that, Chris, where you're like, oh, I might get into Rush, you posted it on Twitter. Yeah. You, you got to admit... Probably a lot of our listeners are more on my side because lots of people were like, oh, I love it. Robin Hatch, shout out. She yeah. listens. She's a big, huge Rush person. So Hey, I had I a good Rush Easter egg. Here. I had a good Rush Easter egg. The, you the did. Local Toronto lore, the, the owner of Pandemonium, which is a long-running book and uh, used record store here, which I go to frequently for 20 years. The owner is on the cover of, what is it? Permanent? No, something. No, um, I could find it. But. It's 1985 album, but yeah, he he was the model for the boy looking out the window in that <laughs> on that album. Yeah, that's crazy. No, you, here's the thing. I like, like Rush. I yeah. think I overdid it, and I needed some just like faster, straight ahead songs for a bit. No, it's okay. So when I put the, the punk on, I was like. Oh, yeah. Let's the, just go. The album yeah. is called Manhattan Project, and yeah. there's a painting of a boy in a bedroom, and then Chris pointed yeah. out that that is a painting of a guy, this guy who owns this record store in Toronto, and I thought yeah, you were wow. joking. Has he? Robin Hatch looked it up. Chris is a fucking 100% right. So can't, that's, can't believe it. That's like meeting yeah. the baby who was naked on the cover of Nevermind, so but the Canadian It's like version. meeting the Mona Lisa. Well, yeah, yeah. The Rush album, they airbrushed his penis out so that he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't sue them 25 30 years later that would have definitely changed the complexion of the album cover if this teen boy's penis was in it so i am with them on this okay one. so here's I, the I thing about, with them can i just say one more thing about rush <laughs> oh god please <laughs> <laughs> like yeah technically they are incredible yes neil pert is incredible yeah alex lifeson yeah Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I don't have to sing Getty Lee's praises. He's incredible. Bass master. It's just yeah. like, I, w- mm-hmm. I was listening to, I put on a Farewell to Kings twice, and it is a really good album. Yeah. But For I will dine on honeydew <laughs> and drink the milk of paradise. Ah, oh, paradise. <laughs> See, I'm getting back in a rush now. <laughs> I want to listen to more. It's just like... I don't think I should dive in as hard. Like you should yeah, put it on when you're fair. in the mood and then move away. I think they should have warning labels on Rush album covers just for this very reason, <laughs> so people yeah. don't get too invested in Rush and uh, you know harm their health or hurt their life. Yeah, I think the truth is warning: do not try to make out with your wife <laughs> with this album on. It's like it totally brought me back to putting pork soda on in my bedroom with my yeah. girlfriend Alexandra. Oh, shout out Alexandra! Alexandra, want to make out? Didn't did you know this that the members of Prime has just played in, in Toronto yeah. at Massey Hall, recre- doing like a Rush tribute act? Yeah. And Rush the they did that at Farewell to Kings that album. They came oh and checked God. it out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I think I think he's like biggest fan. But also, right. we, but also, um, I 
did we talk about this on the podcast already? What? The 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 lineup of King Crimson in the early '80s with Adrian <laughs> Ballou and I think we did on the a Patreon. Bonus okay, one. Yeah. but you know what? It's I'm super like those two. Yeah, that's why I was listening to those bands right. because Primus was like clearly they well, like. I'm yeah. checking our stats right it's now, and all this all this talk of Rush, <laughs> um, the downloads from our uncles from the 1980s are off the charts. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, but, I tweeted this, but can I'll just finish it with this. Uh, the first, ex- my first ever experience with Rush, aside from like videos popping up on Much Music, like Why roll are the bones? We here yeah. because we're here. Roll the bones. That's a philosophy <laughs> song. How many times do you hear it? Yeah, goes on all day long. Are we the bones or are we not even the bones? <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> hey, yeah, my Trans Am just crashed into a bush. <laughs> <laughs> but for like my eighth or ninth birthday or something or maybe 10th you know around that age my uncle bill who was like classic i love these names i know what i have an uncle bill and my girlfriend has an uncle bill too it's just a classic uncle name yeah (laughs) Eh, sort of he had the the hair that went over his ears and flipped up a little bit drove a trans am and uh he uh got me the double rush cassette for my birthday nice but i was like 10 or something and it was it was a show a show of hands so it was like a live double album cassette and it was unwrapped and not rewound at the beginning (laughs) 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 so he fully was like shit it's christopher's birthday (laughs) and like grabbed his tape from his car like next to the smoke-filled ashtray and I put it on and I was like, what in the fuck is this? Because I was listening to like LL Cool J or something. <laughs> Beastie Boys. You know? That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rush truly does make you think of like a, a cigarette smoking Canadian uncle in the 80s. You're right, Mike. But I love yeah. it. I love it. It's, it's like, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. I can't resist it. <laughs> I do like it. It's just... I think you know what it is. It's not... I, yeah, I think I'm in the, I like I'm in the mood hornier, for this, right? I just like what? I like cornier. Oh, I thought you said I'm hornier. <laughs> I'm just hornier, I'm hornier for right rush. now, and you guys aren't. Yeah. No, I like cornier <laughs> music than you guys, way more than you guys yeah. do. And I think Rush is extremely corny. And I feel like you're like, I can't deal with some of this, whereas I absolutely can. You're very much born out of time. Small town Ontario. <laughs> And Canadian mm. content. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. No, true, it's true. true. Like in your house is full of little like moose knickknacks and <laughs> canoe paddles yeah. and well, Timmy's merchandise. Tins of I do maple have a romantic syrup. image of like we were talking about last week with the group of seven paintings, you know? Like I do have this nice romantic image of, of that. You know, which Mike does not no. have. My walls Mike are full hates of pictures Canada. of New York City in 1977 <laughs> when it was at its worst. And I wake up every morning and I think, I would sell my soul to live there. Beep, beep. <laughs> Before we get to our guy this week, we should mention that we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash evil men. Guys, if you check that out and sign up, you get at least two bonus episodes a month which are very fun and funny, and people love them. Mm -hmm. And you also get access to our new Discord, where you can chat with us on there. I think you're going to love it, so check it out. Patreon.com slash evil men. Now, James, 
there's been a lot of uh, talk. People knew that this week it was you. You were in charge of picking the evil man, and a lot of people got excited. There's been a lot of rumors about who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, can you please put us out of our misery and tell us who the who this week's damn evil man is? That's what that Fleetwood Mac album was about. Mm-hmm. Rumors. Who's yes. James picking this week? Yes. Um, who I picked is going to probably mm, basically knock your freaking socks off your feet. Uh, I chose a guy. And I knew this was going to be a big undertaking when I took it. I knew I needed a lot of time for this mm. SOB. But you're ambitious, and you are not phased by a, a big challenge. I'm not. So I chose a guy called L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron. Ah. That's his first name? E-L-R-O-N? No, it's L. It's actually Lafayette Ronald Hubbard. Lafayette. Yeah. Ron is short for Ronald? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being serious? Elrond does sound like an alien or robot name, I do think. Yeah. Hello, I'm Elrond. I'm here to fucking bother you. <laughs> it's like the guy in the Flintstones. <laughs> so yeah. Elrond Hubbard. I'm Elrond, dum-dum. <laughs> um, Famously yes. the lead, the founder, the inventor of Scientology, yes. right? Um, whoa, Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the first theme song to Scientology. Uh, um, here's this is a, really cool. Here's a little overview. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard was an American author of science fiction and fantasy stories, a music producer, <laughs> and a composer. We who, come from space. <laughs> who, who founded the Church of Scientology. A composer? Yeah. Dope, dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is dope. Jesus didn't have musical talent. Elrond did. So That's who, true. he's got two talents. Jesus only had one. Hello, I am Elrond, and I have composed this little ditty. Cool, dude. So, Elrond. Can you be my leader? <laughs> Take me to your leader. Wait a minute. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> this old fat guy is my leader? <laughs> no, f- no, just joking. No, it's okay. I think we can... I think he was chubby a bit, right? Shame him if we want. Um, was well, they it come after hard. Do they? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Well, L. Ron Hubbard was born in 1911. Oh, it makes me think of 9-11. He was born Holy in 1911. <laughs> he was born in 1911 in Nebraska. And he had nothing to do with 9-11 as far as we know. Um, Elrond's dad was in the Navy. And so as a child, Elrond moved around the U.S. and overseas. He was an army brat, as they call them. Yes. (laughs) I'm walking. Yes, indeed. And I'm talking. True, indeed. I'm a little Elrond Hubbard crossing (laughs) your path. Um, This included stops in Japan and China. Okay. And uh, here's the first sort of negative thing about Elron. He later in life described, uh, talked about his time in Japan and China and Uh-oh. said <laughs> that the people in those countries were lazy and ignorant. Uh, so okay. I'm going to say there's strike one against you, Mr. Hubbard. Yes. That's not true or cool. Not true and shouldn't generalize. Mm, yeah. It's racist. Yeah. As I met go- one guy who was sleeping. <laughs> he just happened to go through Tokyo at late at night. Everyone here is so lazy. They're in bed and asleep. 
<laughs> it's like two in the morning. Anyway, so uh, as Elrond got older, he tried to follow in his father's footsteps and join the Navy, mm. but he failed the entrance exam. Oh. That's cool, man. Yeah, he failed once on a test, and then he failed another time uh, because he had an eye condition, but it seemed like... He, it's hard to understand if he really wanted to join the Navy or felt obligated um, right. because it felt like the eye condition was kind of him wussing out a bit. Which way is the ocean again? Uh, yeah. I can't see 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see through time, Ooh. as we learn later. <laughs> um, so he's not in the Navy. So it's 1930 now, and Elrond starts studying engineering at university at the behest of his father. Okay. But we've all been there. Yeah. But his grades were terrible, <laughs> and he was not doing well in school at That's all. That's an interesting thing when you're physically unpromising, but also also stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was engineering, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So many fathers were behesting their children all the time. I know, guys. Stop behesting everyone. Yeah. Um... So this is where it starts getting a little wacky. Um, Elrond's in his last semester of college, and he decides to essentially abandon school and go look for pirate gold in the Caribbean. <laughs> That's a new one. Like, sometimes people go, fuck this, I'm going to yeah. travel or backpack. Rarely. Just before you graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned all I need to know. You don't, I don't need really... The gradu- I don't need the diploma. I just need pirate gold. Oh, he's got a point <laughs> in one way. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to to have any brains to go looking for pirate gold. <laughs> <laughs> Did his father behest him to go look for pirate gold? No, this or? was his own free will. Oh, okay. My son's off on some uh, <laughs> yeah. pirate gold. My excursion. son's a doctor. Oh, my son's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, my son is. You know, he's doing his own thing. How's Lafayette <laughs> doing these days? He's good. He's actually good. He's in the Caribbean, which is cool. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. He's um, he's working there. Well, kind of. <laughs> he he has this neat idea that there's a bunch of pirate gold down there, oh. and he's trying to get it. Honey, get in the car. We're leaving. <laughs> so, yeah. I found one ruby, Dad. <laughs> uh, very good, son. Um, very good. Great. You can make a ring for your mom. <laughs> it wasn't in the ocean. It was on the floor of a tiki bar. <laughs> it might be plastic. Yeah, it tastes like candy. <laughs> oh, Lafayette, shit. It's, it's a gu- ring pop, you idiot. <laughs> That's a gummy bear, you fucking idiot. Um, so, yeah, Lafayette, he's in Puerto Rico. He's even hired a mineral surveyor and everything to help find pirate gold. Needless to say, it didn't result so in anything. So he had dough. I, I, yeah, I don't understand how he put that money together, to be honest. What did his parents do? His dad was in the Navy. Right. Yeah. Like everything up. in those days, though, was very cheap, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Seems like it. American dream yeah. days. American dream. Uh, so that failed. So in 1933, Elron moved back to the States and married a woman named Polly Grubb. Doesn't that doesn't that sound like a character in a Disney movie? Like, um, oh, I'm like Polly the, Grubb. Yeah, or the yeah. teapot in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Hi, I'm Polly, Polly Grubb. I ruin your grass. <laughs> Wait, Polly Grubb. It reminds me of a pig pen from uh, Peanuts, just like a cloud of dirt and dust around right. her. She's grubby. Polly is grubby. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Polly Grubb, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Please, come with me to... 
find pirate treasure. Do you, L. Ron Hubbard, take the Polly Grub to be your wife, bride? Um, they lived in Maryland, had a couple okay. kids, and were chronically short of money. Interesting. Yeah. Maryland is uh, Baltimore, right? Yep. That's where uh, Edgar Allan Poe spent most of his life. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah. And where the wire was set. I don't yeah. know yeah. if there's Lots a lot of, cool of stuff come from Maryland. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so finally, we're getting to like his writing career. You the know? band He's Animal Collective is from Maryland. Oh, okay. and uh, Future Islands. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's in the 1930s and um, Hubbard is becoming well known Hubbard? Hubbard <laughs> That's what I say when I see a beautiful woman <laughs> uh, Hubbard is becoming well known as a pulp A writer for pulp fiction magazines You know they uh, used to have those magazines yeah. with all these stories in it Those magazines directed by Quentin Tarantino <laughs> Uh, he published his first short story in 1934 in a magazine called Thrilling Adventures. So he's short on cash. He's got kids. It's the Great Depression. He's like, here's how I'll make money. I'll write some stories, some sci-fi stories. Yeah, pretty much. He goes like this. Damn, I didn't find any pirate treasure after all those years of searching. I know what I'll do. I'll write a story about a guy who finds all this pirate treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll just make up life with a pen. So at first he used pen names when he wrote these stories. They included uh, the name... Winchester Remington Colt. Which are three different guns, right? Yeah. That's so, like... That's pretty corny. That's really cool. Yeah, like, as though someone has to... Like, it's like thinking it's clever, but it's not. Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's three guns. I write under the uh, alias cake, tart, uh, (laughs) ice cream. (laughs) Do you get it? (laughs) Do you you get it? Those are things I like. Are you familiar with my uh, literary efforts? Uh, I write under the name Bazooka Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he loves this article. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read it. It's by uh, Bicycle Skateboard Roller Skates. <laughs> <laughs> they say there's a connection, but I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. um, he also wrote under the pseudonym Joe Blitz. <laughs> okay. That sounds cool. And he also That sounds like a punk name. Yeah. Yeah. Joe or, Blitz. <laughs> or, a, or a superhero, I guess. Uh, and he also wrote under the name Legionnaire 148. Okay. And 148 is code for disease. Legionnaire disease. Maybe. <laughs> kind of weird reading a book by, oh, a new book by Legionnaire 148. So he just looked up at a sign yeah. and said, that's my name. I guess. <laughs> He's not the, uh, the sharpest Kaiser Soze in the book, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Elrond became best known for fantasy and science fiction stories, but he wrote in many genres uh, that included... But when he, when mm. he stopped writing science fiction mm. and then st- like just stopped all that altogether yeah. and then started writing the yeah. real stuff, yeah. Scientology. Yeah. Ah, that's so that's hard. coming up That's later. awesome. Sorry, I didn't want to... No, no. Just like, I always thought that was kind of nice, like neat how he made that transition. Well, it is inspiring to people who'd like well, I'd like to consider a career change, you know, <laughs> later in life. You know what? So I don't know. I could mention this now or later, but I, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, on a, for, as a lark, I went to the Elron Ron Hubbard. As a lark or as you were considering I, it, I, Michael? I wanted to 
pay homage to the great man. <laughs> and I went to the L. Ron Hubbard Museum or gallery or whatever. Did you get the test? Uh, not there, but I did it as a joke in Toronto once years ago. And then yes, I got, we used to have a I Scientology headquarters here on yeah. Young Street. But in L.A., they have, uh, yeah, the Scientology headquarters, the huge, massive blue building. But then Looks also, like a hospital. Yeah. Hospital for your mind and soul, man. And then the L. Ron <laughs> Hubbard Museum is dedicated to his life and work. And the beginning of the museum shows his like childhood, and they have stuff from when he was a kid. And it, it dedicates a bit of space to his career as like a, a freelance writer, a short story writer in pulp magazines and sci-fi magazines. And... It shows like his alien stories and stuff, and they have copies of the the old stories and magazines and stuff. And then you move into the room where he founded a religion, and the stories and aliens and stuff don't seem to be very different from the sci-fi period to the religion. Yeah, period. I never got. I know we're we're totally jumping ahead for James here, but I thought I've always thought, how do the followers of Scientology? reconcile that like how yeah. do they go yeah but this this is when he was playing around but this is when he got serious yeah this like religion if, i believe in is not the same as it'd be yeah, like if jesus his years of being a sci-fi writer yeah, it'd be like if jesus was a famous storyteller and he always came up with these yarns about <laughs> being the son of god or the son of a lion he had a story about being the son of a tiger yeah <laughs> <laughs> he had the story about being the son of a peacock it's pretty funny it's funny mike it, how you, you you were like yeah I've been to the Scientology Museum as a joke and yes I've taken a Scientology <laughs> test as a joke <laughs> and I'm a fully paid up member of Scientology yeah, as just just for fun yeah. and, uh, and yes yeah. I've done yeah. e-meter readings to get yeah. rid of my thetans but it's like a fucking yeah. joke with my friends and yes I'm gonna sit out for the most part on this uh, episode of the podcast <laughs> yeah but it's a joke yeah. yes oh, I feel yeah. uncomfortable but is there a laser a little laser dot on my head right now <laughs> uh, there's a man with a, a sniper rifle across from us anyway yes I had to mop a floor for 48 hours hours because my leader <laughs> said it was still not clean enough <laughs> beep beep <laughs> beep beep <laughs> right so yeah Elrond wrote fantasy and sci-fi but he also cool. he also wrote adventure fiction Ooh. aviation travel yeah. mysteries westerns and he even romance knew. he was romance. like a, a lexicon of knowledge yeah he could do any genre it'd be interesting if um, Ray Bradbury or or someone like that started a religion. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, maybe he. Yeah. Maybe he considered it. Um, <laughs> in uh, thirty six, nineteen thirty six, the Hubbards moved to Washington. And this okay. is Polly, with Polly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they were still very hard up for money, and they were just getting by on Elrond's writing. You know, his freelancing. Okay, I want to get by. I mean. Take a little uh, digression here as well. Um, mm-hmm. I love the movie The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh-huh. And it was interesting. I was I just read a little overview of his life ag- again this morning just to, you know, catch up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is interesting. Like, watch that movie. There are a lot of elements that uh, P.T. Anderson has definitely has taken from L. Ron Hubbard. Like, because he said... he. When it was he, when he was making it, I remember it, he said he was. Everyone was like, "He's making a movie about Scientology." Says whisper, whisper. Oh my god! And then he had to deny, like, "No, it's not about Scientology." But there, there will be like allusions to a guy like that, right? Obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman's I wonder amazing if were, that character. Was for legal reasons or, or th- creative uh, reasons? Like they're crazy. <clears throat> they're crazy. Yeah. They they. 
I think because so many documentaries and stuff have been blasted about them now, they might have like simmered on the vengefulness stuff. Yeah. But because they got they got to toe the line because there's a lot of like people complaining. But hmm. anyways, watch the master because yeah, I couldn't believe how much was similar. Well, I don't know if there's a Joaquin Phoenix style character in. Well, Elrond's. we're gonna learn together t- okay. today. Thanks, James. Because <laughs> I haven't James. seen that movie. But Sorry. No. So yeah. Have you seen it, Mike? No. Damn, dudes. So the Hubbards are in Washington. It's 1936. Freelancing, struggling for money. Right. Okay. Um, Elron writes his full first full length novel. It was called Buckskin Brigades. <laughs> In 1937. And this didn't make him, didn't make him the uh, millions? No, but okay. it, things did start to pick up a bit. Okay. Um, he's getting more and more published. Was Buckskin Brigades uh, going to be a religion for a sec? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Every, yeah. Um, yeah. It was all about being a cowboy, I, I guess. I love the idea of he kept <laughs> checking to see which religion might take off out of his <laughs> books he made. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He wrote a script for a movie called The Secret of Treasure Island. Okay. Which he knows a lot about because he's found a lot of treasure. It was actually like a perfect job for him. <laughs> uh, he, and he starts spending more and more time in New York City for work. And his wife starts suspecting him of having multiple affairs on these work trips. Polly Grubb! Is he, this true? He, he was a very attractive man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not easy being married to Elron when, you know, stud alert. And what was he uh, effing this and effing that and uh, having lots of, of girlfriends? That's what you call having an affair, effing this and effing that? <laughs> That's what I say when I'm mad at everything. <laughs> was he getting around sexually is what I mean. Um, I don't know 100% that answer, but I feel confident in saying I could see it. Okay. Ooh, you're the... Gossip you're the, master, you're penniless uh, sci-fi and cowboy story writer <laughs> from Maryland. Ooh, get jump in my bed. Yeah, you know. Um, so now we get to uh, the beginning, maybe of Elrond just being a sci-fi writer and starting to become something a little bit m- more. Okay. In 1938. Elron had to have dental surgery. Okay. The way a lot of these origin stories begin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he claimed that he was given a drug during this dental surgery that triggered a revelatory near-death experience. Um, uh, what's the dentist uh, giving the damn guy? Uh, yeah, really. Painkiller? Ahu- ayahuasca? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really groovy dentist in 1938. Um, so this was like really impactful for Elrond. This, okay. it seems anyway, this dental appointment that opened his mind, you know, and this near death experience, this psychedelic dental appointment, open wide. Okay. We're just going to replace this, uh, molar, um, molar, molar, <laughs> molar, molar. Elrond. Hello. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Elrond, while we fill your uh, cavity, uh, feel free to open the doors of perception. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Have you been flossing? Ossing? Ossing? <laughs> dentist, dentist, dentist. Give me, 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 give
Hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. Almost got the cavity. Cavity. <laughs> Hi, we're elephants. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, like it turns into whatever the fuck that shit is. <laughs> Fantasia. Oh, yeah. So this. Oh, yeah. About that. The way James said, oh, yeah, was uh, his way of saying shut up. No, <laughs> I, I was like elephants. I didn't know what you meant, but then uh, I remembered Fantasia. I was picturing like some vintage Disney thing. Yeah, it might. I can't. It might be Winnie the Pooh. Actually, I think it's Fantasia. The movie Dumbo Fantasia. had a psychedelic sequence. Remember that? Oh, maybe it's Dumbo. Yeah. Shit, I fucked up. No, you didn't. You didn't f up. But what, Elron. Yeah, what the hell's going on there in the dentist dentist chair? I'm. I can't wait to hear. Oh, you're okay. Well, if you're excited, I'll tell you. Um, this experience inspired a manuscript that Elrond wrote hmm. called The One Command and it was also known as Excalibur. Okay? <laughs> so the one command that Elrond is referring to, the main message of this manuscript, you're both yawning. I'm just going to point that out. Chris just yawned and then Mike just yawned. What yes, the fuck I'm, is going whenever on? Whenever I'm YouTube? excited, I yawn. It's a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm just always like, I was just thinking like, men who start cults mm-hmm. are always such busybodies. They never stop trying to start a cult. I know, just chill. Okay, so <laughs> the one command that Elrond is referring to, the, the thesis of this manuscript, is to survive. That's the message. It's just you have to survive. Okay. And this was a theme that would recur. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> this was a theme that would recur. What a revelation. In Hubbard's famous later work, Must Survive, <laughs> Must Not Die. <laughs> I had a revelation yeah. <laughs> that I must live. Yeah. <laughs> this theme would recur in Hubbard's famous later work, Dianetics, that we will definitely get into. Which is armchair pop psychology at best. Yeah, you're right. Um, and hu- yeah, Hubbard revealed that w- the one command was essentially an early version of Dianetics. I had this revelation, and I think you guys would be interested in it. W- let's not die, okay? <laughs> Whoa, this guy's onto something. Let's survive life. Take my money. Have sex with all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, a colleague of Elrond's named Arthur J. Burks said that L. Ron Hubbard Hubbard believed that the One Command would revolutionize everything and that it was somewhat more important and would have a greater impact upon people than the Bible. And he never would have come to this if he didn't go to the dentist. I mean, if that's not a a lesson to go every six months... (laughs) Yeah, go every six months, go every three months. I had a revelation at the dentist, and they gave me a new toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he gets a little mini toothbrush and mini toothpaste and floss. <laughs> it was the best trip I ever took. Hubbard was so certain. Oh, wait, are we talking about Elron Hubbard or Old Mother Hubbard? We're talking about Elron. <laughs> but thank you, but it's good you clarified. Hubbard Old Mother was <laughs> Hubbard was his mom, I guess. Well, yeah, maybe. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Hubbard was so certain that he had something incredible on his hands here with the one command 
that he sent telegrams to several book publishers telling them that he had written the book, the book, and that they were supposed to meet him at Penn Station and he would discuss it with them and go with whoever gave him the best offer. Odd place to hold a business meeting. Yeah, and um, a very like yeah. point blank, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, does this guy seem crazy? He wants. He's telling us he wrote the, a book that allowed to sell the Bible. He wants to meet <laughs> in a busy train station. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cancel my two o'clock. Hey, it's only 1939. We don't know that much about crazy people yet. <laughs> but here's the thing. Every time I have a life-altering revelation that yeah. just absolutely blows my mind, and I'm so excited to share it with other people, after every time I get... I, I've, You've heard me chat on the podcast. It's pretty hard for me to do, but succinctly summarize it uh, as succinctly as possible, I mean. Yeah. Uh, by the time I'm done being like, that's what I thought. Blah, blah, blah. And we did this. I did this like last week in our Twitter chat about the war thing. But every time I'm like I exp- uh, explaining a revelation, the other person goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like every individual is trapped in the limits of their own mind. That's true. So something that's blowing L. Ron Hubbard's mind right now, like you said, the command is to... We must survive. <laughs> yeah. He's just fanatical about his own Bullshit. basic bitch idea right now. Yeah. And he's like, meet me on the train station next to the chocolate bars. <laughs> on the train station next to the Cinnabon. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll follow the delicious smell and you'll see me. I'll tell you that we should tr- strive to not die. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk in front of that train. See what I mean? <laughs> I'm the first guy to um, come up with self-preservation. Uh, come on, guys. Um, so what The will to live. <laughs> How do you think the publishers responded to this request? They took a cab to Penn Station. They said, I'll pay as much as he wants. Unfortunately... Yeah, they got in all the Rolls Royces and went beep, 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 beep <laughs> in New York City. Unfortunately, none of them were interested. What the oh, hell? Damn. I know. Not even Simon and Schuster? No, no, not even Penguin no, wait, Books Schuster Canada. Schuster? <laughs> not even Penguin Books Canada. Penguin Books. I feel sorry for the damn guy. A young author's ego is very fragile. Well, you know? you're right, Mike. Yeah. This really did depress Elron badly. Yeah. He was really upset. I bet he couldn't go to Penn Station for years after yeah, that. Yeah, bad memories. It's like if, if you used to go somewhere with your ex, and then you go, I can't go to that restaurant anymore. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm not going on the train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what so is Simon and Schuster? Is it just Canadian? They're publishers, yeah, they're publishers. So Elron, <laughs> he's depressed. <laughs> Nobody wants the one command, right? Elron is fuck. I know. Elron is sick of writing fiction for pulp magazines. You know, <laughs> right? He Elron wrote in a letter to to Polly to his wife. He wrote, "Quote: Sooner or later, Excalibur, another name for the one command." Sooner or later, Excalibur, Excalibur will be published, and I may have a chance to get some name recognition out of it so as to pave the way to articles and comments, which are my ideas of writing heaven. I have high hopes of smashing my name into history so violently that it will take a legendary form even if all books are destroyed. That goal is the real goal as far as I am concerned. Well, he certainly achieved his goal. Well, he did. Yeah, I guess you got to give him that. Uh, he, he, young young writers, struggling writers, pay attention to the life of Elron Hubbard. Yeah. Maybe you too could um, 
hit the top of the New York Times bestseller list? Yes. I mean, I don't know. So Hubbard is very clearly, since that dental appointment, man, this guy's just ain't the same, man. Yeah. He's going a little... Did he go to Steve Martin from Little Shop of Horrors or what? Uh, the dentist? Does something you know? happen here. <laughs> I know. Um, Hubbard's literary agent recalled that Hubbard told him, quote, so this is in Hubbard's words, <laughs> quote, whoever read this book either went insane or committed suicide. Hubbard told his agent that he had sent the one command to a publisher and that publisher got a reader to read it, right? And then that reader, after reading the one command, came back into the office with the manuscript, threw it on the table, and then promptly threw himself out a skyscraper window. Now, he's doing well, the exact wait, opposite of yeah. what L. Ron Hubbard wants the one command to teach. Mike, that's right. What Holy shit. Frig? What the hell? The guy read it backwards. He didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, he started with, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it, this book. And then he just jumps out a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine writing a book so But who bad. told the story? Who told the story of the man killing himself? Hubbard told that exactly. story. Exactly. Yes. Now, so something you haven't true. 100% touched upon yet, but you might be getting to, mm-hmm. the motherfucker lied his fucking ass <laughs> off. <laughs> Lots of people yes. thought of him as a pathological liar. And like you did say, he didn't join the Navy, right? Because he said he was blind or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he... Are you getting to this? Uh, I don't, I don't know what it. you're about to say. But I am getting to a good amount of stuff. Well, he uh, he <laughs> he did... Start telling people that he was a war hero mm. and that he was like a doctor and stuff. You know what? Like he's not really getting to that. So yeah, he was a. Uh, some people, not me. I'm objective. I just read some stuff and over the years, and I saw the the what's the come clean or what's the documentary <laughs> going clear going clear <laughs> come clean Scientology come clear come clear. Yeah, I, I I didn't read that book, but I read the, I saw the watch doc. the cum documentary. <laughs> I watch cum documentaries almost every night. If you practice self meditation, you'll come clear. Yeah, the will to come. I just fucking blew my mind, man. Everybody's gonna love this book. After reading the book, the guy, the publisher, slammed it down the desk and he cummed everywhere. All I'm saying is, I know some stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, I you watched do, the documentary. Chris. I read the stuff about Tom Cruise. But he's a fucking pathological liar. So I don't believe this story about the man throwing down the book and the Hudson Hudsucker proxying himself out the (laughs) fucking window of the boardroom. Why would why would he tell this story if it makes his book look bad? Well, I the story here. I think I think it's it's I think he's trying to imply my book is so important and mind blowing. People can't even deal with it. It's like right. looking Weak at people Cthulhu. can't take it. Chris, right. it's like looking at Cthulhu. Going right. back to episode, uh, looking at 11 pictures of L. Ron Hubbard, it definitely feels like I'm looking at a Cthulhu type <laughs> creature. Did you guys ever Hello? see that John Carpenter movie? <laughs> Was it Minds the of Madness with Sam Neill? Mouth of Madness. Sorry, Mouth of Madness. And, yeah. and in that movie. Um, a, a, a Stephen King type writer has written yeah. a new novel, and anyone who Makes reads it, it goes insane and kills himself like Cthulhu. Wow. Yeah, it was a really good movie. It's a good one. Sam Neill made some good weird flicks. Oh, did oh, J- oh Jurassic Park? Did you ever see that one? It was really quirky, weird. <laughs> it's fucking weird. It's yeah, really it's weird. Like dinosaurs are like alive during our yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's oh, weird. there's a park. 
Yeah, in Costa Rica of all places. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, I. S- anyways, yeah. So talking about this, this, this one command manuscript, mm-hmm. it actually became part of Scientology mythology. In the early 1950s, uh, a Scientology publication offered a signed, gold-bound, and locked copy of the One Command for the sum of $1,500 apiece, which was a lot back then. Martin Shkreli got it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It, uh, It warned that four of the first 15 people who read it went insane and that it would be released only on sworn statement not to permit others to read it. Okay. Um, it also, I'll just say, it contains data not to be released during Mr. Hubbard's stay on Earth. A hundred percent. His stay on Earth. A hundred percent. The Evil Men podcast guys have just learned our next marketing strategy. Oh. Are you kidding me? If you tell people, don't listen to Evil Men, four out of five people go insane. <laughs> they can't handle the knowledge on the Evil Men podcast, yeah. of course it's going to blow up. The guy's a marketing idiot. Freak. Genius, you mean. I know, but I just don't want to call him a genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am being swayed by him. I think I will become a Scientologist. Cool. Me too. But don't you think that's like marketing 101? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, don't didn't they this, do that with The Exorcist? Insane. Like, oh, we have to have an ambulance outside because people are... Yeah. Having a heart attack. Same thing with Thelma and Lu- Louise. Yeah, yeah, and League yeah. of Their Own. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so crazy that ten, nine out of ten audience members lose their minds and commit suicide. <laughs> a League of Their Own coming this <laughs> summer to theaters with Gina Davis, Tom Hanks, and Madonna and Rosie. Yeah, and of course Rosie. <laughs> well, actually, the way America is right now, I could see half of America. Uh, killing themselves or whatever if there's a m- movie about women playing baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now there's an interesting period where Elrond tries to get in the Navy again. Come I on, I don't really understand why. So after he's written this world-changing book, he's like, and no one's That was not attention. published. Yeah, so he's like, might as well go back and try and please father and join I the guess. Navy with my shit eyes. Yes, guys. I guess. I don't really understand why he did this. I yeah. think I'm going to kill myself. Chris. Well, what we're talking about is pretty heavy, man. <laughs> well, try to just breathe through it. At least wait till <laughs> breathe through it. <laughs> try to survive. Yeah. Wait till the end of the episode at least. Okay, we'll yes. all do it together. <sighs> um. It's around the start of World War II. That, maybe that's right. why. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, Elrond uh, got in the damn Navy. Uh, he got posted in the Philippines. So he was a war hero, maybe. No, it, from what I, at least from what I read, it sounded like he was a really bad Navy man. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was in the Philippines, but he got sent back to the U.S. A report said that the reasoning for this decision was because, quote, the officer is not satisfactory for independent duty assignment. <laughs> he is gar- garrulous and tries to give impressions of his importance. He also yeah. seems to think he has unusual ability, end quote. Huh. Um, the fact that the military actually said exactly the thing about Elrond, it's like, what are you talking about? How yeah. did anyone get duped by this guy? I don't know. Hubbard was then... But there you go. A real like meat and potatoes, straight ahead organization just yeah. said, this is what this guy is. Yep. At a time when they needed... Everybody possible <laughs> to pitch in. Yeah. Yeah, really. But they're like, nope. He's- Wackadoo goes over here. 
Hubbard was then sent to do submarine chaser training. Oh. So I guess chasing submarines. Well, some guys, there's a kink for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, it, that didn't go well either. Yeah. Elrond got relieved of command after he sailed into Mexican territorial waters and conducted gunnery practice, okay. uh, which was not allowed. Uh, Elrond was described as, quote, lacking in the essential qualities of judgment, leadership, and cooperation. <laughs> so his Navy career is going down the shitter. Right. And uh, his dad must be so disappointed in him. I know. You know? Elrond, at this point, basically just started calling in sick. Uh, to the Navy? To the war? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't make it today. Literally. He, sa- he cited stuff like ulcers and back pains. I'm too yeah. sick for World War II today. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm really sorry. My throat. I don't think I can do World War II today. <laughs> All right. I'll need a doctor's note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't go to World War II today because <laughs> this relative of mine passed away and we have to go to a funeral. Yeah. I didn't know him that well, but yeah, like apparently I, it's important to my mom. Yeah. Okay, I'm, soldier. <laughs> passed away in the war? No, not even. <laughs> he was actually really old. It was sort of a blessing. <laughs> nothing uh, uh, Nothing that has to do with the war. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just started calling in sick to the Navy. <laughs> and, he got, and he got to spend time in a naval hospital for months. Um, and he later implied, like, he just did all this so we didn't have to fight and do stuff. Right. Like, he kind I'm getting, of, like, so stressed about how not even clever he is. I mean, clever in a sense of, like, hoodwinking dum-dums, I guess. Yeah, it does talk about later that he was extremely charismatic. Okay, Mm. okay. So that's probably the main thing of cult-type people, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so anyway, he he gets moved around again. He reports (laughs) sick again. Eventually, he's put on inactive duty in 1946, and eventually he just resigned his position altogether. Right. So now this is an interesting period, uh, all about the occult. Did you guys know that Hubbard dabbled in the occult? I wouldn't have thought he had it in him. Might as well. I mean, nothing else is working out for him. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so after World War II, it was a turbulent period for L. Ron. <laughs> he said he was abandoned by his family and friends as a supposedly hopeless cripple and a probable burden upon them for the rest of his days. So even Molly Grubb, she was like, fuck well, you, Elrond? No. Okay. Elrond said that. I think it was Polly Grubb. Yeah, Polly Grubb. Is Elrond said, said, oh, Molly. Elrond oh, goes, <laughs> oh, my family abandoned me. But according to his wife, he was just like, move, move with me to California. And she's like, I don't want to uproot my kids and move to California right. with you. And so he was all like wounded by this. Oh. So... It's August 1945, you know, and uh, Hubbard has moved into the Pasadena mansion of a guy called Jack Whiteside Parsons. Okay. I don't really know how they even met, but this is what's happening. Pasadena, I think, is where, uh, incidentally, the sitcom The Big Bang Theory is. Really? Yeah. It's also also where a little old lady is from. Yeah. Really? (laughs) It's also the name of uh, an album by the Weezer-inspired band Ozma. Okay. David Deneen Porter, our listener, got me into Ozma. So shout out to David. So there's a lot going on in There's Pasadena. a lot going on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pasadena is the place to be at this time. Yeah. And uh, World War II is finished. It's over. Without they they still cleaned it up and ended it without Elrond's help. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Elrond's living with this guy Jack Parsons. Okay. Jack was a leading rocket propulsion researcher. Also, Jim Parsons plays Sheldon. Holy and fuck. He, he works at uh, Caltech in Pasadena. Wait a second. Yeah. And They're this is about, the, we're about to get into the <laughs> occult, too. So this might actually be really Did you say his name right was James now. Parson? Jack. Jack Parsons. Damn, the song. They, Sheldon. He lived with Sheldon. On. He lived with Sheldon. I'm actually getting freaked out right now. Me this too. Is creepy. I feel AF. like the Big Bang Theory cast is right behind us. <laughs> Nerds. It's Raj and Howard and, <laughs> and the guy from Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Green Lantern t-shirt. <laughs> That's so cool. So Jack Parsons, he's a rocket guy. He was also an avid occultist. Rocket guy. <laughs> he was an avid occultist and follower okay. of the English ceremonial magician Alistair Crowley. Hey. You don't say. We should do Alistair Crowley, yeah. right? Sure. Interesting man. Ozzy Osbourne had a song about him or something. Mr. Mr. Crowley. Crowley. Mr. Yeah, Crowley, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Parsons was the leader of a lodge of Crowley's magical order <laughs> called the Ordo Tempi Orentis, okay. or OTO. <laughs> Makes me think of T.O., Toronto. Yes. Sounds like nerdcore stuff. I mean, you believe in magic? Yeah, I do. Imagine a household <laughs> a household where L. Ron Hubbard isn't the weird one. <laughs> do yeah. you believe in magic? Yeah, Ordo Tempi like, Orantis. I had a revelation that will maybe drive you insane. Do you dare hear it? And then the guy pulls <laughs> a quarter out of L. Ron's ear and he's like <laughs> and then L. Ron's like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I never put a quarter in my ear. <laughs> you guys are nuts. Yeah. How did you just take my nose off my face? Ah! It's black magic, my son. <laughs> <laughs> See how the rings are together? Watch this. One, two, three. They separated. <laughs> want, want to see me blow this cigarette smoke into a bubble? Like Doug Henning used to do? Remember that? Oh, Doug Henning. Doug Henning. Yeah. I conjured up a thunderstorm will be here around 3 or 4 p.m. this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. That's what the news says, too. Shut I, up. I did it. <laughs> the news got it from me. <laughs> oh, so you call the weather people? Yes. Ta-da. Well, anyways, the thing I was going to say was, what if we try to survive the thunderstorm? What? <laughs> Not perish in the thunderstorm? This guy's nuts. <laughs> uh, right. So Hubbard, he's in Pasadena. He's hanging out with Parsons. When he's in Pasadena, mm. does Hubbard find anything in a cupboard? I, I will look out for that. He, possibly. <laughs> so um, he, he doesn't find anything in a cupboard, but he does become sexually involved with Parsons' 21-year-old girlfriend, <laughs> Betty, <laughs> Betty Northrup. <laughs> So, a bit I of this, a bit of that. <laughs> I did magic as well. Yeah. Betty. Despite this, Parsons was still very impressed with Hubbard. Parsons. Well, in what? Like, well, he just he liked watched him. them making love and he's like, impressive. Cock alert. 
Cock alert. Well, no, Par- yeah. Parsons wrote a letter to Aleister Crowley about Hubbard. Hey, you have to meet this ma- magnificent man who's having sex with my girlfriend. <laughs> Basically, honestly, yes. <laughs> Parsons wrote to Aleister Crowley, quote, Hubbard is a gentleman. <laughs> Imagine describing the guy who's having sex with your daughter. Oh, girlfriend. Oh, girlfriend. Oh, fuck, I thought his daughter. No, no. Hubbard is a gentleman, he said. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. He moved in with me about two months ago, and although Betty and I are still friendly, she has transferred her sexual affection to Ron. Transferred. Although, That's cuck lingo right there. <laughs> yeah. Although he has no formal training in magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. <laughs> yeah, the cool way. He has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. He knows also how to make Betty scream and moan with delight all night long <laughs> in a way that I never was able <laughs> to. Terrific. Yeah. How did a man who believes in magic get duped so hard by, a, <laughs> by an idiot fool? Yeah, great question. <laughs> Um, he magically appeared on top of my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) He won't tell me how he did it, though. He's a true magician. This Elron is quite the gentleman. He went and got a hand towel afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) He Elron is quite a magician. He made my girlfriend do something she called an orgasm. I've never heard of it before. I tried to conjure one up using candles and a dead skunk. <laughs> and some scarves. <laughs> he did a marvelous trick with Betty. He calls, I believe he calls it a blowing job. Uh, so in 1946, Parsons and Hubbard collaborated on Can the... Can I just say one more thing? Please. Betty's having... Way more fun with Elrond. I <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to summarize it yeah. succinctly. Yeah, so Parsons and uh, Hubbard collaborated on this thing called Babylon Working, which is a sex magic ritual intended yeah. to summon mm-hmm. an incarnation of Babylon, yeah. the supreme Thelemite <laughs> goddess. That'd be cool. We've all, yeah, that would actually be sick. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in your 20s, these, you just do these things. You know. Yeah, he was in his 30s. But oh, okay. yeah. When you're in your 30s, <laughs> you do these things. Yeah. Uh, this was do- done in order to summon an elemental who would participate in further sex magic. So they want to summon a, a, a demon or a spirit? sex and get it over with. I mean, what's right, it right. with this? You know yeah. what? The war made people a bit batty, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, you're probably right on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. There's got to be magic out there. A guy named Richard Metzger described this sex ceremony thusly. Quote, Parsons used his magical wand to whip up a vortex of energy so elemental, uh, so that an elemental would be summoned. Translated into, into plain English, Parsons jerked off in the name of spiritual advancement while, whilst Hubbard scanned the astral plane for signs and visions. So they're in a room together, two roommates in Pasadena. One guy, the older guy's just jerking off and like, let me know if you see any magic. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I think I see magic. Oh, no, that's jizz. Well, you can't say they didn't try anything. I see something. I see, oh, it's just the postman coming up the laneway. Yeah. yeah. No, not magic. Yeah. yeah. It's a mail, mail bus, mail truck. I think I saw some magic. No, it's just <laughs> dust. <laughs> I just see dust particles in the light of the coming through the window. 
Are we? Uh, do you think what we're doing is is okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you believe in magic? Because I'm jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> if you were an elemental being and you were like you received an invitation to like oh there's two middle aged guys in a room jerking off yes. and you'd be like oh I gotta I gotta attend this yeah. uh, event I would yeah. prefer to stay within the <laughs> vortex <laughs> things are kind of cool in the vortex right now <laughs> slowly closing a door to a vortex um okay <laughs> you know yeah I had a late night last night and I sort of want to have stay in yeah. you know um, you guys are doing it fine without yeah. me. So uh, there's just one more part here about Parsons, and then maybe we'll uh, we'll break. But sure. uh, we're at 49 minutes. So this is the timing. cliffhanger here. Cliffhanging, yeah. So so Hubbard, you know, he's in this occultist sex situation with this dude Parsons, um, <laughs> and then uh, Hubbard decides let's let's get business, let's mix business with pleasure. <laughs> so yeah. Hubbard Parsons and a woman named Sarah. <laughs> Set up a business partnership. But where the fuck is Betty? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. They set up a business partnership called Allied Enterprises. A very boring name for the stuff Is it a moving to. company? <laughs> <laughs> Two men and a truck. The movers who care. Like, they, they just start a moving company. You bring jizz and magic to your town. <laughs> I was picturing two, two nerds living in poverty <laughs> trying to access a vortex of spiritual beings by being weird sex guys and founding a religion and doing magic tricks and starting a company. And they're just like, they eat beans every day. <laughs> There's tin cans of refried beans <laughs> next to like ashtrays full of cigarettes and jizz. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really seem. Doesn't get better cool. than this. No, <clears throat> this, this is the man. People, millions of people worship this man. Yeah, <laughs> he gave them all his money. So. <laughs> Started a company. Yeah, called Allied Enterprises, the most weird sort of nondescript <laughs> name of all time. Did they go to the bank with their blankets wrapped around them and like well, we were like alone? Wizard caps on. Parsons had a lot of money. So actually oh, yeah, the majority of this was financed with Parsons' hefty life savings. Okay. okay. So you can see where this is That's going. Cool. Right? That's cool. That's cool. All right. Here's the business plan. Hubbard and Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> oh, great song. Hubbard and Sarah would go to Miami and buy some yachts and then sail them to the west coast of America and sell them there for a profit. This was a scam, though, because Hubbard and Sarah oh. were secretly like making plans to just get this yacht with Parson's money and, and then go them. on a big cruise. How could he screw Parson over after everything they've been through? I know. Yeah. It's bullshit, right? Yes. And um, there was like a storm... So their plan didn't work out, and they did have to come back to port Par- uh, Hubbard and Sarah. But they really did fuck over Parsons, and this is sad. <laughs> Parsons had to sell his mansion <laughs> because of how Hubbard <laughs> fucked him up, fucked him over. Well, I know what's coming next. Parsons accessed black magic to get revenge on Elron Hubbard and put a curse upon him, right? <laughs> Here, please let that be right. I believe in magic. He's, just, he's furiously jerking off, trying to summon yeah. some demons. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'll show him. I'm going to summon a demon. I'll show him. Uh. <laughs> just jizzing in the corner. 
I'm depressed. So wait, they so they ripped him off of the <laughs> Parsons, the magician, and just sell his mansion because he had been yeah taken he, for a he ride. Was an investor in Allied Enterprises, and it was <laughs> no. an absolute bullshit. You ever meet that one girl that just convinces you to leave your jacking off magic partner and steal a yacht from him? <laughs> Allied Enterprises. <laughs> They're not even allied. <laughs> he stole you off from him right away. <laughs> yeah. So, so before, <laughs> so before we we started this episode, it's yeah. just so much stuff about Elrond. It's like right. a, like we're Elrond. we're genuinely halfway through. So he at this point he hasn't quite found it. He has the initial seeds of the ideas, but yes. he hasn't quite actually founded Scientology yet. Exactly. So so what I'm thinking, Michael and Chris, right. is because this is so much info... It yes. takes you like 10 years experience or more to become the perfect huckster. Yeah. Absolutely. And he and we're close. He's getting yeah. going. Yeah. So I think we should stop this episode yeah. here. No evilometer this episode. No. Because we ain't done. And we'll start... We'll do L. Ron Hubbard Part 2 and we'll get right to Dianetics. Which is uh, really takes things in a different direction. Sounds so good. fun little cliffhanger for this episode, and uh, we're excited. We're having fun with this uh, meaty, informative uh, yeah. uh, subject matter. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, come back, come next back week, next week part for the follow up part two, and that was a great part one of Evil Men. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!